The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Busy times. Busy times indeed. Let's talk about it. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Scott, what's up, man? How was your weekend? I know you're a big weekend guy. Do any drafts? <laughs> I did do a draft. I'm, I'm sharing a team with a friend of mine, Greg Lathrop, a main event team for the NFBC. Did a draft earlier today. How are you feeling? I, I feel good about it. I feel Very good nice. about it. Very yeah, nice. So, got, yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. I know, I, know okay. you're, I know you're itching to tell us about it. Well, we picked sixth. We took Bieber, of course. Of course. Um, and we got Corey Seager in round two. This is a 15-teamer, by the way. Corey Seager in round two. Felt like a little bit of a reach, but all the good, all the pitchers I thought were worth taking in round two were gone. Uh, and then we got lucky getting DJ LeMahieu in round three and Alex Bregman in round four, mm. which, you know, again, 15-team league, picking six. That's really late for Bregman. That's outside the top 50. Um, of course, at this point, we have three hitters in our first four rounds. Very... Very much unlikely, uh, unlike me. So, uh, next four picks, we went Strasburg, Plesak, Granke, Wheeler. So, we still ended up with five of my top 30, I think. That's and, uh, pretty good for a 15-team league. Yeah, feeling strong in the pitching categories. You know, we're, we're a little light at saves. We're, we might be a little light in, in home runs. I don't know. It depends how, depends how big Seager is this year and how big Will Myers as we got Will Myers ended up being our fourth hitter we took but a lot of upside on this team you know we got we got four four of the biggest rookies in uh Andrew Vaughn uh Jared Kelnick Alex Kirilov and um Wander Franco so we got those stat I mean Vaughn's probably going to make the, the the club I think at the start of the year probably but there's a good chance they're all up before the end of April and that could be that could be could be windfall for us. I don't know. I like I like this team. I like it a lot. Very nice. That's a great dynasty team you got there, Scott. So hopefully <laughs> it works out well for you. I also participated in the main event this weekend over at the NFBC. Uh, and I, too, did not have my second starting pitcher until round six. I think it turned out all right. I actually got Zach Plesak in round eight. So you took him in the sixth in your draft. I got him in the eighth in mine. That's the furthest I've seen him fall. I think it was pick 107. So... We'll see. Good luck to you, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens, man. I am uh, pretty excited about it. Chris is here as well, and Chris, I will give you the opportunity to berate me to start the podcast because I am a fraud. I am a big phony. That's all I am. Yep. Nothing more, nothing less. Because yep, yep. that's true. I purchased Max Scherzer in the 12-team Tout Wars head-to-head points salary cap draft for $31, and I have no idea why. I'll just say, I'll say this. Say what you want about me. Uh, I have many flaws as a person. But when I have a, a, a take, I stand by that take no matter how stupid it is. So you're all like, oh, Max Scherzer's terrible. Nobody should draft him. And then you go draft him. Spend $31 on a pitcher who you think is terrible. Unbelievable. Now, where are your convictions? Now, wait, 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 Frank. Wait, wait, okay. Frank. Isn't this a it, this is a head-to-head points league, right? It is a head-to-head points league, correct? Is the scoring like way different from CBS? Is it? Are, it are is pitchers deflated or something? It is the CBS scoring system. Well, dude, you got Scherzer for only thirty-one. You weren't a part of the head-to-head points 
uh, salary capped we draft we did. I, Scherzer might have gone for more than fifty. Like, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Thirty-one for a second-round caliber pitcher. Uh, I know he didn't go for less than forty. That's no. I'm that's I'm, I'm obviously being facetious. That's a very good pickup. You got the fourth best starting pitcher in fantasy baseball. He could be uh, for $31. And I have acknowledged that all along. It could blow up in my face. I really do feel terrible about it because I hate, you know, saying one thing all draft season. But the price there's there's a price just, for every player. There is no player yep. in fantasy baseball who you should. This is something I, I was talking about Robbie Ray the other day on Twitter and how he's throwing like three miles per hour harder this spring. And everyone's like, I'll never draft Robbie Ray. And like, okay, cool. I feel like everybody thinks Robbie Ray has been a lot worse than he actually has been in his career. I think last year was the first time in like four years where he's had an ERA above four or five. But like, he's going outside of the top 250, top 300 right now. He's throwing, he's averaging 96 miles per hour with his fastball. Like, if there is no price you would be willing to pay to have Robbie Ray on your team, you're playing fantasy baseball wrong. And we will talk about Robbie Ray a little bit later on. So I'm happy you brought him up, but he has been very interesting so far in spring training. And yeah, look, the reason I wound up with Scherzer, I had a plan. I wanted either uh, Lucas Giolito or Aaron Aaron Nola heading into this salary cap draft. And I was willing to spend right around 30, maybe, you know, a little bit more, 30 to 35. Giolito goes for 36. Aaron Nola goes for 38. And I was in on the bidding on both of them, and I just didn't want to go that far. So Max Scherzer, if you told me I could get Max Scherzer for $7 less than Aaron Nola... Okay, at that point, I, I, I'm willing to invest. So I wind up with him, not exactly happy about it, but I'm happy that you were you were able to uh, call me out, Chris, because I do deserve did, it. Do they use head to do they use head to head points lineups, just nine hitters, or do they use roto lineups with fourteen hitters? It's fourteen hitters and then it's nine pitchers, but it's actually it's seven t- starting pitchers and two relief pitchers. Yeah. Next, you should do. You should have. You should have done that head-to-head points salary cap draft <laughs> with us. I think. I think you may regret not going heavier at starting pitcher in that format, especially. Um, yeah, I mean, I wound up with pretty good depth. I will say that. Okay. Uh, I don't have another quote-unquote ace, but I wound up with Max Freed. I got Chris Paddock. I got Charlie Morton. I got uh, Aaron Savale. I got Marcus Stroman. So it's all right. It could have been better. We'll. we'll figure it Scott out. Scott hates it. That's a Chris Towers lineup <laughs> pitching staff. Today on the show, outside of talking about my teams and Scott's teams and uh, Chris made fun of me, we will do a quick recap of a head-to-head categories mock draft that you guys did late last week. Some people have been emailing in and saying, oh, well, you're doing a head-to-head points mock. You're doing this Roto's live salary cap draft. What about us head-to-head categories players? So I'm going I'm to look out for you. I'll help you out a little bit here. Uh, ADP differences from other sites. So we'll compare some ADP from ESPN and Yahoo to CBS as well, uh, and some news and notes from the weekend, including four late-round starting pitchers that we need to talk about. Robbie Ray is one of those players. So let's start off with this head-to-head categories mock draft that you guys did. 12 teams uh, for hitters. It's one of each infield spot, three starting outfielders, two utility spots, and then for pitchers, I believe it is two starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and just four pitcher spots, right? Yeah, that's right. So I thought this draft was pretty interesting because felt like you guys both tried something new. And we'll start with your team, Chris. And you had the second pick, and it seems like you went with the Marmol strategy. So you started with Mookie Betts, Adalberto Mondesi, Manny Machado as your first three picks. And then you come back around Tim Anderson, and you already have Mondesi. So Tim Anderson goes into one util spot. You pick up mm-hmm. Cattell Marte as your second baseman. Then Keston Hiura in the sixth. That's your second util spot. Then you get Lourdes Gurriel and your boy Byron Buxton. Um do you think you have enough speed on your team? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I like to uh, I like to refer to this as the Luis Castillo strategy. You know, just just drafting all the middle infield. I was trying to think of like a really fast uh, utility player to really get the the analogy right, but I I couldn't. So if you if you got anybody, Alfredo Amezaga. That's that's the it's the Amezaga strategy. I think that fits in with the Marmol strategy. Uh, yeah, I actually I went into the draft thinking I wasn't gonna get steals. My thought was um, steals were going to be the one thing I avoided. And then uh, it just kind of like it's a categories league and Alberto Mondesi was there at 23rd overall. He's my number 15 player in Roto. So I kind of couldn't pass on that. And then, you know, at, at that point, 
you can kind of just stop going after steals once you get there. But I went in knowing I was going to punt something, you know, stolen bases, saves, starting pitching, one of those things. Um, and once I got stolen bases, I kind of pivoted to, well, I'm going to punt stolen starting pitching and go with a Marmol strategy. And so that's kind of how I ended up there. And, you know, the thing about, uh, you know, a Marmol strategy is you really, you need to be in position to dominate uh, the, the non starting pitching categories. And I, you know, I don't know if I have, you know, power might be an issue for this team. It's going to depend on, you know, Keston here really clicking, but, if he does, I, I think I've got a decent chance to dominate several hitting categories and stolen bases are going to be among them. Um, so I, I think it's an okay strategy. As for your pitching, let's talk about who you wound up with. It was You took Edwin Diaz and Rysel Iglesias in rounds 9 and 10, and mm-hmm. your pitchers overall turned out to be those two plus Jordan Hicks, Herman Marquez, Andrew Heaney, TJ Antone, Framber Valdez, who at think you got in the 17th round, Alex Reyes, Dustin May, Emmanuel Class A from the Cleveland Indians, and Mitch Keller from the Pirates. So you have a lot of relievers and a starting pitcher yeah. that you can use on the road. How do you feel? I'm fine with it. Uh, I, you know, obviously it's it's not perfect, but I, I think the the strategy there is I've got, I think three closers. I think Jordan Hicks is the is going to be the Cardinals closer. He's looked awesome in spring. Um so I've got three closers, and then there's a very specific type of reliever that I'm going for otherwise. And TJ Antone actually might not be a reliever. He might have that fifth starting job in Cincinnati. But uh, Antone, Reyes, Dustin May, um, you know, I really like the guy who might be able to give me 90 to 100 innings of really, really, really good ratios um, and a ton of strikeouts. So, so those guys uh, help supplement it. And you know, I think like Framber Valdez could be a real key if he ends up pitching and pitching well, you know, this could be a lot better. Are you worried about not meeting the weekly innings minimum? I mean, I've got one, two. What is that minimum, by the way, Scott? It's 24, 25 starting pitchers. 25 innings? Uh, It's it's 25. Okay. It's 25. I kind of feel like I want to feel safe that I'm not going to get... I'm not going to fall short of the innings minimum. I kind of feel like I need four starting pitcher. I need to get four starts in my lineup, not necessarily four different starting pitchers, but four starts. Somebody may. I've got twice. four starts in my lineup coming out of the draft, plus okay. two other, at least one other guy who will be starting coming out. Because I mean, Framber Valdez, we don't know if he'll be available by week one, but right. if he's not, I can throw Mitch Keller in there. Maybe Dustin May. We still don't know exactly what his role is going to be. Um, so it would be Marquez, T.J. Antone. Framber Valdez slash Dustin Miller, Dustin May slash Mitch Keller, and then Andrew Heaney. So I think innings I can get there. I think if I have, like you said, I think four starts, you know, you should be able to get 20 innings out of those guys. And then you've got, what is it, three other, four other uh, pitchers who can get five. Yep. And you mentioned that you have Jordan Hicks, who you think is going to be the closer, and you also got Alex Reyes. So between those two, you might. You, you, I assume you locked up the closer role. Alex Reyes has looked really good in the in spring training as well, although they want to use him in a few different roles. So we'll see what happens with Alex Reyes. Uh, Scott, you would never use a strategy like this, right? On the pitching side, at least. I feel like you're you're very anti-Marmol. <laughs> no, 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 I, I wouldn't. I think, I think Marmol's strategy made sense when there was more differentiation between hitters than there is today. Um, I, I think it's hard to, especially when you're talking in, in week-long segments, I think it's really difficult to in- assure yourself that you're going to win those categories consistently enough to um, to punt on wins and strikeouts, basically. I, I mean, you might win strikeouts occasionally, but it's, it's obviously not going to be a strength when you're going up with a team with a normal allotment of starting pitchers. So let's take a look at what you did instead. Two very different strategies. Uh, Chris used that Marmol strategy. Scott had the 12th pick. And this isn't normal for you either, Scott, because usually you like to come away with at least one starting pitcher in the first rounds, maybe even two. And you started with Christian Yelich and Trevor Story. You still wound up with three starting pitchers and three hitters after your first six rounds. So Yelich and Story at the one-two turn. Then you grab Brandon Woodruff and Kenta Maeda at the three-four. Luis mm-hmm. Robert, which someone sent me this over the weekend. Now it's Robert again. 
So that's what we will go with. Luis Robert, the outfielder Maybe for... Maybe the someone. You're just trusting random someone? Yeah, it seemed like a, a reputable article <laughs> snippet from somewhere. So we're going to go with okay. Luis Robert for now. Um, and I'll look that up after this podcast. <laughs> but um, you got Robert and then you got Zach Plesak at the 5-6 turn. So walk me through this first six picks. Do you, do you feel all right about your starting pitching at that point? Uh, no, I mean, I wish it was stronger coming out of this draft for sure. I'm not thrilled with it. I think, uh, you know, so my, my pitcher, my starting pitchers into again, made it Maeda as my number one in round three. That's, you know, taking him that early. I don't love, but I kind of was forced to after missing out the first two rounds. Woodruff is my number two. Zach Plesak as my number three. And again, this is a 12-team league, not a 14-team league. Who's my number four? Oh, Sandy Alcantara. Oh, I mean, I like him as a breakout, but I want him as my number five at most, not my number four. So I, I think this format, for the same reason you could potentially try the Marmol strategy in head-to-head categories, um, I think you you can... I think it makes a little more sense to go after high-end closers at this format. It's generally something I don't like to do, but at this format would be the one I'm most likely to do it in and kind of to make up for the shortcomings of not having a guy who's going to strike out 220 batters plus in all likelihood. Uh, I went with uh, Karen Chak in round 10 and Rosenthal in round 11, two potential 100-plus strikeout guys in relief. So that kind of makes up for the lack of of not not having as many high-end starting pitchers as I want. I'd still rather have the starting pitchers, but that's the best I could do given the circumstances. Yeah, I just wanted to try it. I mean, for a categories league, me picking 12th and Yelich and Story were both there. It's like I'm not used to seeing either of these guys at this point. And hey, what if I took them both? Let's, let's see if I could make that work. And... Um, I don't hate it, but I, I'm a little uneasy about my pitching situation. And if I was doing it for real, I wouldn't have even tried it. I would have at least taken one pitcher there. I probably would have taken Yelich and Bauer as opposed to Yelich and Story. But, you know, it was weird. Chris mentioned he was surprised that Alberto Mondesi made it to him at the end of round two. I feel like everybody in this particular draft had punting steals in mind. You know, it's something we've talked about on the podcast where we don't like doing it in Roto, but in this format, you know, giving up that one category that's expensive and 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 kind of creates shortcomings in other parts of your lineup, it, it might be worth doing in this format. And it seemed like everybody went in with that in mind because the Steels guy were they were quite reasonable, beginning with Yelich and Story making it to the round one two turn, and then Luis Robert Robert. <laughs> I don't know about that, Luis, uh, the White Sox guy. Um, End of round five, last pick of round five in a categories league, a five by five league. That was shocking to me. So I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I said the 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 I might not punt steals in this format if they just fell in my lap, and I feel like that's exactly what happened in this draft between those three picks. Again, that is our head head category draft, our most recent one. We did that last week, and you can find the results on the website, cbsports.com. I will put the draft results for that in the podcast description as well, so you can go back and, and follow along to see what we were talking about here. Let's quickly promote a few things. You know, If you want your fill of sports content every single day for free, you should be watching CBS Sports HQ. cbsports.com slash live is the link to find that, or download it on your favorite devices. I've got an Xbox. I've got two different Xboxes, and uh, I have CBS Sports on both of them. So you can watch HQ on any device where you are streaming. And reminder that drafts are here. And a lot of drafts just happened this past weekend. I'm sure a lot of people have them coming up this week, next weekend, even next week during the week leading up to the start of the season, which we are now inside two weeks of the season starting. That is just phenomenal. But don't go to your draft unprepared. Download our draft prep guide now. It's for free, and the link for that is cbssports.com slash FBB draft kit. It includes all of our sleepers, breakouts, busts, rankings, analysis, and much more. So you go to that link, you just punch in your email address, and you'll get that sent over to you and you can use it throughout your drafts. And some update on our listener leagues. Uh, continue to send in your cropped photoshops as submission uh, for these listener leagues. Just email us. That's fantasybaseball at cbsi 
Photoshop.com. And we've already got a ton. Continue to send them. They are great. Uh, if you don't have Photoshop skills, that's all right as well. You can email us in and let us know why you deserve to be in one of our listener leagues. But the deadline for those is actually when you are hearing this will be tomorrow, Tuesday, March 23rd is the deadline. So get those in and I will reveal the winners on this Thursday's podcast. Reminder that we have 21 spots available between the two leagues. The dates for those drafts will be next Sunday, March 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. That's for the head-to-head categories for the People League. That is a 16-team league. And then the head-to-head points podcast league. That is a 12-team points league. That draft will be the very next night. That's on Monday, March 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that you can make either draft that you want to be part of uh, before sending in your submission. That is obviously very key to what we are trying to accomplish. Some news and notes from the weekend. Dave Roberts said he projects catcher Will Smith to start, quote, somewhere around 90 games this season. He also had this to say, I think that Will with Austin, Barnes that is, the combo, the sum, is very good, and I'll take that sum against any combo in all of baseball, production-wise, offensively, and defensively. So, Scott, I know when we first started doing this back in October or November, you were actually worried about this possibility with Will Smith. How far do we drop him in our catcher rankings? Well, I had him as my number seven catcher, and so I'm just going to leave him as my number seven catcher. Uh, yeah, that's that's... That's pretty much what I have to say about that. Yeah, no, they did this with uh, they did this with Yasmani Grandal when he was there, and he was consistently one of the best catchers in baseball. And yet they uh, well, start him less than any of us wanted to, them to. And he started 129 and 140, or he played 129 and 140 games. He got 482 plate appearances in 518. Uh, he was playing quite a bit. What year? Uh, his last two years in LA. Okay. Well, he still started less than other catchers who were drafted, who were drafted in his range, and it was frustrating. And then he went to Milwaukee, and he played more than ever, put up career numbers. And um, yeah, I mean, he he only had one year with 130 games played prior to 2018, so he wasn't playing as much as we wanted. And uh, you know, I don't know that he's really going to start as few as 90. I think uh, when push comes to shove. Uh, Dave Roberts will run him out there more than that, but I think for the number three catcher, you're going to be disappointed in the volume. Bobby Witt Jr. has been reassigned to low, low A ball. Yikes. Yeah, I thought... It's not surprising that they decided not to make him the starting second baseman after all. I mean, he's 20, he's only played at rookie ball, and it was less than 40 games, and he didn't even perform that well. Um so it was it was really aggressive even considering him. I just I didn't think it would happen so soon because the way Dayton Moore uh, was talking, it sounded like they really wanted to to challenge him until they were convinced he couldn't handle the job. And you know, there's still there's still a few more games before they have to make that decision. Um, but you know, u- ultimately, it's to our benefit that they decided it earlier than later because his wits ADP was shooting up and. Um, and now I would say, uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote before the talk of him maybe capturing the second base job. I wrote that Witt was the sixth best minor leaguer to stash behind guys like Wander Franco and Jared Kalenic and Mackenzie Gore, Matt Manning, a couple others. And I think that's about right now because you know, sending him to low A ball, he, he's not going to be somebody who comes up in late April. If he's if that's where he's starting out, he's he's going to have to climb a few levels first, and I think it's still possible we don't see him at all this year. Yep, yeah, and the, the the comp I guess would be probably Juan Soto. If you're talking about moving that fast, he started out 2018 at Class A, 16 games, 15 in class, uh, High A, eight at Double A before making his. So it it wouldn't be totally unprecedented. You're talking about uh, Soto was also 19 that year. Uh, Wit is 19. Right, twenty. He's 20. twenty. Okay, so he's actually a year younger, but you know, didn't get. Uh, although Soto had only played thirty-two games the prior year, so, uh, but you know, he's also maybe the best young hitter in Major League Baseball history. So Bobby Witt probably might need a little bit more than thirty-six games. And someone pointed out that he had a thirty. He has a thirty-three percent strikeout rate 
in spring training. So he's doing some fun things, 12-pitch walk against Julio Arias, hitting all these home runs, 480 feet. But Bobby Witt, you know, he still has things to work on, uh, striking out that much here in spring training. Plus Spe- defense. Yeah, he's got to work on a few things. Work Actually, they liked his defense. I know you're just making a joke, but... That was one of the things they were really happy about. Uh, sticking with the Royal Salvador Perez got a four-year extension for those who have him in keeper or dynasty leagues. So doesn't look like he's going anywhere. The Rockies officially purchased the contract of CJ Crone. And we spoke about him on last week's podcast on Friday and about how he is a rankings mover. He has looked really good in the spring so far and looks to be the starting first baseman for your Colorado Rockies. Steven Strasburg, who is dealing with a calf injury through 74 pitches over five innings in a simulated game. On Friday, he was only scheduled to throw 60 pitches, so it was a welcoming sign that he was able to get through those 74 and apparently enough confidence for Scott to draft him in the fifth round of a 15-team league. So if you're trying to figure out where you should draft him, there you go. It's probably, if that's in a 12-team league, it's probably in the sixth. So you do the math, however many teams your league has. Drew Pomeranz has left, has left forearm tightness of the San Diego Padres and per Kevin AC of the San Diego Trib- Union Tribune, Emilio Pagan. Emilio has a good chance to close games for the Padres this season and has been the name most often mentioned by people within the organization as a potential closer. Scott, we spoke about all every team's closer situation last week, and you still lean towards Mark Melanson. Even with this report, are you sticking with Melanson? No, I would lean toward Pagan, but it's that that's not the most reliable um, criteria, I guess. It's in the absence of any other criteria, it works for me. And certainly he's, you know, he was basically the closer down the stretch for the Rays two years ago. So he has some experience in the role. But it's still, it's still a situation where if you're playing in like a, like a 15 team or something that deep, probably all three Padres relievers are going to be drafted. But Pagan should be the first one. Yeah, Pagan had two saves last year as well for the Padres, and he had 20 saves back in 2019, as you mentioned, Scott, with the Tampa Bay Rays. AJ Casavell of MLB.com writes that it is a quote near certainty. Denelson Lamette will not be on the Padres' opening day roster. He is likely to start on the injured list, which, Scott, you have been talking about quite a bit before. I guess there's still a chance Mackenzie Gore can make the team, but uh, as of now, it looks like Adrian Morejon is going to be in the rotation for the Padres. Chris, how far does Denelson Lomet have to fall for you to draft him if you are drafting today? Well, I have him 119th at starting pitcher. and um, Overall, you mean? Over, yeah, overall, not at <laughs> I have 119th overall. Um, I, I think that's in like the 40 range at starting pitcher for me. So uh, I do think I drafted him recently within the last two weeks. Um, but yeah, he has to fall outside of the first 10 rounds. And the main event draft that I did this weekend, a 15-team league, Denelson Lamette went at pick 169. And in the salary cap draft, which was a 12-team league, head-to-head points, uh, he went for $6 in that. So if you wanted some kind of uh, indication of what his price tag is, again, that is Denelson Lamette. Re- fluctuation is weird there. What do you think? What do you like, mean? We don't know that much more than we did when he was being drafted in like the 65 to 70 range, you know, back like a month and a half ago. It's just, it's weird that he might be falling 100 picks now. And then if, yeah. if he was there at 140 or 150, I, I'd be very happy to take him. I think people presumed, uh, you know, opening day wasn't like either either he'd be fine in spring training or he won it. But that opening day wasn't really. It wasn't a question of whether he'd be ready for the start of the year. So it's kind of catching people off guard that he isn't. But it's because he's behind in his progression and not because he suffered a setback or anything. So I'm actually getting to the point where I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with drafting Lamette. Yeah. I have him as my 35th starting pitcher now, but I have him ahead of Sonny Gray, who also may not be ready for the start of the season. Uh, well, I, I just think you look at like that range and like, well, Lance McCullers doesn't exactly have a, a rock solid history of getting through 140 innings. Joe Musgrove right. doesn't have a rock solid history of April through August. Yeah, Sonny I Gray's got a back range. injury. Patrick Corbin can't throw nine miles an hour. Julio Arias has never thrown more than 120 innings. Um, 
I moved Corbin so, way down. I moved Corbin way. I got yeah, Corbin I've got Corbin Carrasco. 30, <laughs> I've got Corbin 39th. I, I probably will move him down. But like just, yeah. you know, that like Dylan Bundy, Jose Urquidy, Kevin Gosman. We are not talking about mm-hmm. guys in that range of the draft who you can look at and say, ah, yes, st- steady, dependable, predictable performers. So, yeah, Lamette's got as much up- upside as anyone, any of them and only slightly more risk. Brennan Rogers is expected to miss a month with his hamstring injury. Reds pitcher Michael Lorenzen was diagnosed with a right shoulder strain after exiting Saturday's B game. That's now Sonny Gray, Michael Lorenzen, and TJ Antone, who are currently dealing with ailments for the Cincinnati Reds pitching staff. Chris, your boy. I'm sorry, man. Oscar Mercado was assigned to minor boy. league camp on Sunday. I, I might as well not even play this season. <laughs> all those picks. I, I had multiple people on Twitter throw that one at me. I'll, all those picks at 340 or later are really going to come back to haunt me. I am. I am screwed. Were people really calling does, you out does, for that? I, I got like three. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> does this mean Ahmed Rosario is going to get the majority of the time out there? Because you know, he had that three-error game. And he's played, I think, a couple times since then. And it's been less uh, less headline-worthy in a bad way. But... But yeah, that's, that's surprising. Yeah, Bradley Zimmer is the other name that I saw mentioned playing center Ooh. field. Remember that guy, Bradley Zimmer? Wow, uh, Indians yeah. could use an, you could use some outfield upgrades there. Good thing you traded away Francisco Lindor. I mean, it was true five months ago, and it's as exactly as true as it was on the last day of last season that, that Cleveland could use some outfield upgrades. Yeah, ah, why didn't they ask for? Not that Dom Smith is a good defender, but. Someone else from the Mets, Smith or Brandon Nimmo, or I mean, they're not going to well, get Conforto. You don't know that they didn't. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Uh, Joey yeah. Votto has returned to the Reds camp after his bout with COVID. So looks like he's going to be ready to go for the start of the season. Former top prospect Brent Honeywell will start Monday for the Tampa Bay Rays. It is his first game action since September of 2017. So hopefully Brent Honeywell can make it through healthy. We're rooting for you, bud. Bryce Wilson. Who's this guy? Just kidding. <laughs> Having a solid spring for the Atlanta Braves, a 1.98 ERA, a 1.39 whip, and some are saying that he may even make the rotation. Scott, what do you think about that? Your boy Bryce Wilson. Yeah, I think Kyle Wright had the advantage going in, and he's been not not great, bad this spring. I mean, you're talking Wilson's stats there. There haven't been a lot of strikeouts, and it's a 1-4 whip, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um is there any chance Drew Smiley doesn't make the rotation? I haven't heard anything along those lines, but they're not they're not going to get 130 innings out of Drew Smiley this year, I don't think. So it, it might make sense to have him in the bullpen for stretches. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on what they're paying Drew Smiley, I think they would like him to be a starter, at least for the beginning of the season, while Mike Soroka is out. And then maybe once right. Soroka comes back, then they can you know, move things around a little bit with Drew Smiley. But I would assume, at least to, to begin the season, Smiley will be in the rotation. So We'd rather see Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright than Drew Smiley, right? No. I know there was like that two-week period when Drew Smiley was exciting, but like... I mean, Drew Smiley's still kind of exciting, I I, tr- I like Drew Smiley's strikeout potential more than any of the others. Chris is not about it. He's like, nope, I I don't want anything to do with Drew Smiley. Well, I mean, it's like it's Drew Smiley. Like last season wasn't his first season. I know, but he was, was he was throwing was harder and, season in a long time. He was throwing too much. But he was healthy harder. in 2019. He threw 114 innings. They were just well. Bad. He was still working his way back from Tommy John surgery and didn't have his 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 velocity back. His he was still <laughs> still. He, he did not feel like he was all the way healthy. All right. Drew Smiley. I have him in Scott White's Dynasty League if you want him, Chris. Let's, uh, let's talk. You can, send me, <laughs> you can send me Joe Musgrove. Since you're, I, think you, I think you read that wrong, Frank. I, I, think you read the, I think you read the room wrong on that one. Yep, yep. <laughs> you're probably right. Uh, Rangers top prospect, which I also found a big pronunciation weekend. Josh Young. Not Jung. Josh Young top prospect for the Rangers, was diagnosed with a stress fracture in his left foot on Saturday and will be out for the next six to eight weeks while recovering from surgery. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk about four starting pitchers that are going very late in drafts that you need to know about. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So let's talk about these guys. Robbie Ray, you brought up the name earlier, Chris, and he dominated the Tigers on Friday. Five and a third, four hits, one earned run, one walk, seven strikeouts with 16 whiffs on 73 pitches. He averaged 96.2 miles per hour on his fastball. Last year, that was 93.9 miles per hour. The ADP for Robbie Ray is 300. He went at pick 231 in my draft on Saturday. And I agree with you. Like, this is the perfect time to buy into Robbie Ray. I understand that it's the American League East, and he his floor is terrible. I mean, two weeks into the season, this guy gets blown up. You're dropping him. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't it doesn't cost anything. Even if you have to take him at pick 250, we've seen this guy have top 50 upside in fantasy I mean, baseball. Top 50 he player. Was a, he was a top 150 pick last year. You know, he's he was in 2019. He had a slightly above average ERA. 434, uh, and he had 235 strikeouts. The year before, he had a 393 ERA with 165 strikeouts and 123 and two-thirds innings. There has been one season in the last four where Robbie Ray was just a disaster, and it was last season. But I actually think, like, based on what we've seen, the floor actually isn't that low. Uh, you know, he's been a starting caliber fantasy option most of his career, so... I don't know. I think people are maybe there's just like in people's heads. He has like multiple seasons with an ERA over five or something, but uh, only once in the last four years has it been over four, three, four. And it was 12 start, 12 appearances last season. And this isn't like last spring. I remember like, oh, Robbie Ray's working on his command. He's moved on one side of the rubber or the other. And he hasn't walked like I, I don't that that's nothing. Like it's right. You're you are right to just dismiss that because like every pitcher is working on their command. You know, like this is actually a tangible thing. He's throwing significantly harder than yeah. he ever has. I remember our guy Adam Mazur. His bold prediction was that Robbie Ray wins the National League Cy Youngs. <laughs> that didn't happen. He wound up in the American yeah. League. Um, yeah, did but, not win the AL Cy Young either. My, he, my no, biggest my biggest objections to Ray prior to last year. So take the worst season out of the equation was whip killer mm-hmm. and a uh, five-inning pitcher, which to me made him difficult to use to get those that the big strikeout total that he was likely going to deliver. Because um, obviously in a roto league, you're trying to protect your whip. In a points league, you, you really need those innings. I, I don't... I, I If we're saying his upside is 2019, 2018... You know, obviously where he's going, there's not really any downside to taking that, but I I, I, wa- I, I want there to be more upside to that. And maybe because he's throwing harder, there is. You know, it's just walks have always been such an issue. Home runs have always been such an issue. And then volume, throwing so many pitches because of all the walks, because of all the strikeouts, that's always been an issue too. Uh, someone else who is uh, throwing harder and has, you know... He has been a fantasy star in the past, um, even better than Robbie Ray at times. James Paxton, he made his debut on Sunday, his spring debut. Four and a third, two hits, one earned, two walks, eight strikeouts, and apparently maxed out his velocity at 97 miles per hour. This is someone who last year dealt with back injuries. He was only averaging 92 miles per hour with his fastball with the Yankees, of course, now with the Seattle Mariners. Scott, what do you think about James Paxton? Are you buying into this at all? And who would you rather have between him and Robbie Ray? I would rather have Paxton. We've seen Paxton be close to ace level more regularly than we have Ray. Uh, and I was frankly very surprised by this performance for Paxton. He had been pitching sim games up to this point, so we didn't really know what was going on with him. But like, no team really wanted him this offseason. He went to the, a non-contender, the Mariners, for like $8 million. So, I mean, that seemed like a signal to me. Wow. There's... He, he might not be able to bounce back from 
whatever uh, whatever was wrong with his arm last year. But the kind of velocity he showed, striking out eight of the 16 batters he faced, very good signs, very good signs. You, you still can't trust him to be durable, but, I mean, at the price tag, definitely somebody I need to start uh, start investing in a little more, I think. Chris, would you rather have Paxton or Robbie Ray? Paxton. Yep. Yeah, definitely, especially after this. Mm-hmm. Yep, very encouraging sign for for one James Paxton. Hopefully he can continue to build off of this. Another lefty. Wow, I didn't even plan this. All these pitchers we're talking about are lefties. All lefties, yeah. That's great. Carlos Rodon. I took him in the reserve rounds of my uh, Tout Wars salary cap draft because after I saw what he did on Sunday, four shutout innings with five strikeouts, he's now up to nine shutout with 10 strikeouts and zero walks this spring. I mean, that is the biggest takeaway for Rodon. The fact that he is getting whiffs, getting swings and misses, and he's not walking anyone. And the fastball velocity for Rodon on Sunday, 93.9 miles per hour. That is harder than even when he was at his best. When he first came into the league, he averaged low 93. So, Scott, any any takeaways here from Rodon? I thought for sure you're going to go to Chris for that one. Um <laughs> Well, no, I, got, I mean that's. I, I gotta go. To, I gotta point? go to Chris with the next one. It's a Marlins, of course. <laughs> okay, you pointed out. I think all the uh, critical. De- I think Chris always wanted Carlos Rodon to be a Marlins, so that's why <laughs> yeah, you don't know yeah. the whole backstory there. That is, that is taking me back. In, in addition to no walks in his nine innings, only four hits in the nine innings, ten strikeouts, um, and the velocity being the biggest thing. I mean, like. It was Tommy John surgery he was coming back from. So, you know, something predictable, something with a reliable track record. In the pandemic-shortened season, probably didn't have the chance to build up like you'd normally see from that injury. And so he had some major struggles. We saw that from Michael Fulmer, too. Fulmer's velocity hasn't come back this spring. But if Rodon's has, then I think that's something to get excited about with a late-round pick. Mm-hmm. especially going to get some starts against the Tigers in the American League Central uh, and, and should have a great run support with the White Sox, obviously. So Carlos Rodon, he is now free. His, his ADP is almost 500. He'd be the lowest in priority of the three lefties we talked about. Paxton, I think, would be a distant number one for me. And then Ray and Rodon would be more like your very last pick kind mm-hmm. of flyers. But they're, even, if you, even if your draft doesn't go on long enough for you to consider them, which it probably doesn't in shallower 12-team type leagues. Definitely somebody you're going to... Guys are going to want to monitor their first turn or two through because the upside is there for them to contribute. The last Southpaw we need to talk about, Trevor Rogers from your Miami Marlins. On Sunday, five innings, two run ball, one walk, six strikeouts, 14 whiffs for Trevor Rogers on 71 pitches. The fastball velocity, he averaged 94.6 miles per hour last year for Trevor Rogers. That was 93.6. Chris, give us a scouting report on your boy. Yeah, it, it's he was a, a first-round pick, 13th overall in 2017, but he's never really had uh, you know, a ton of hype as a prospect. Last year, he was, he was not even ranked last year uh, by Baseball America coming off of a year where he had 290 ERA. Um, he's always had a lot of strikeouts in the minors. He's a big, tall lefty who throws hard. Uh, and last season, he had 39 strikeouts in 28 innings. You know, the, the ERA was ugly, 6-11. But, you know, with the kind of stuff he has, I think it was, uh, Scott, was it Craig Mish we were talking about? Said it's the he's the best left-handed pitching prospect the Marlins have developed since Dontrell Willis. Yeah, uh, that, that was the guy, yeah. Not a, if you know anything about the Marlins, it's not a terribly <laughs> inspiring list. Although they had, they had Scott they Olson. They didn't draft Carlos Rodon, after all. That's true. They But they did have Scott Olson back in like 2006. He was he was a name of some renown at the time. <laughs> um, no, Trevor Rogers, I, I think, is being probably undervalued. Um I think is a good talent, and the fact that he's throwing so hard this spring is a really good sign, especially when you consider uh, Miami's very recent track record in getting the most out of their starting pitchers. You know that last year their their starting staff was actually quite good, and I think we, I mean, there's three consensus top 150 guys in ADP in there, and, and I think Trevor Rogers, I've got him 245. I think overall. Um, so in the like 60 ish range, I want to say at starting pitcher, uh, I just moved him above the likes of he's yeah 80th actually at starting pitcher. So just above the likes of Trevor or Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal, who I think are more talented pitchers, but don't have a rotation spot to start the season. So 
I like him. The ADP for Trevor Rogers is four twelve point five. Uh, Chris, would you rather have Rogers or Rodon? I would rather have Rogers. What do you think, Scott? I think uh, ranking the four again. I go Paxton Ray. No, it's kind of hard on Ray, but I do think he'd be second here. Paxton Ray Rogers and Rodon. I think that's the the same order I have them in. But Rogers did have three pretty good swing and miss pitches last season too, and that was when he was throwing ninety four. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Interesting indeed. Some observations that I noticed from drafts this past weekend mentioned that I got Zach Plesak at 107. I guess I think the spring has scared some people off. Scott, obviously not you, and you've talked about that before. Uh, and Zach Plesak did have another start recently, that which was much better. So uh, I think. And with Ahmed Rosario in center field. Yeah. And that guy ruined, ruined Bieber's star, but didn't ruin Plesak's. <laughs> yeah. He did. Better than Shane Bieber. You heard it here first. There you go. The <laughs> next Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak. We're just kidding. Please don't don't believe that. Uh, Carlos Carrasco <laughs> went at pick 289 in my main event. So That's way too late. That is, yeah. It's it an overreaction. I, it did never, not go that late in ours. It, yeah. it never felt right for me throughout the draft. Like I, there was always something that I needed more. So I kept looking at him, but I just, I couldn't pull the trigger. He went for, Carlos Carrasco went for $5 in that Tat Wars head-to-head points uh, salary cap draft. So, again, for reference, if you need it, Lamette went at pick 169 in that draft I did. He went for $6 in Tat Wars. Jared Kelnick went at pick 179, and Andrew Vaughn went at pick 182. They went to the same guy. So, similar strategy to what you did, Scott, drafting both Kelnick and Andrew Vaughn, especially if you need the upside in one of those deeper leagues. I'll point out this was round 14 and 15 where it went Kelnick and Vaughn back to back in a 15 team league. So like all these guys fell. It's not like we made a conscious effort to, to, to get all the, all the top prospects who may not be on up on opening day, but like they just all fell to us and we were happy to take them. Cause I do think they'll all be up. I really do think they'll all be up before the end of April. Kirilov and uh, Franco being the others. And there's a very good chance Vaughn, is there on opening day. You said you took Shohei Otani in the 11th round, right? Of a 15-team yes. league? I just yes. checked. I got him in, in round 14. So nice. that is... That's very... What's the, what's, the I, usage, what's the usage rules for him in that format? Same as CBS. Same uh, as you, eligible, you just pick at the start of the week. Yeah, which, yeah and, it, and we're planning to use him mostly as a hitter. I don't yeah, know. Same. We haven't gotten to this. I don't know if it was in your, your news and notes, yeah. Frank, but Otani played... like he, he started... He was the starting pitcher and the leadoff hitter today yeah. for the Angels. He was it's on base crazy. three times. He struck out five and in four innings. Joe Madden has been saying they're not going to follow the old rules for him where they, they took him out of the lineup the day before he started, took him out of the lineup the day after. They, he kinda, he's kind of leaving it up to Otani to, to tell Man. him when he wants out. And like, if, he gets, if he gets 500 plate appearances and 25 games started, like unfortunately in this format, you're not going to be able to take care, advantage of both of those, but... If he yeah. could actually do that for a full season, I mean, you're talking about he's going to break outs- fantasy. Outrageously valuable player in a, in especially a daily lineups league where you can start him in both. And if he's starting that consistently, like I could see him hitting like 280 with 25 homers, 20 steals, like really hard to take out of the hitter spot. As as much as everybody needs more high end starting pitchers, it's going to be really hard to justify in a roto league, especially for the steals need. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of to the point now with Otani where like we got, we were there in round 11 and I just could not let him get by us. Maybe I could have held out a few more rounds like you did, Frank, but I did not want to chance it. If, I mean, he could be Austin Meadows as a hitter. Yeah. Chris, you Maybe said that. Like, <laughs> you started yeah. comparing everyone to Austin Meadows. Like, hey man, Austin Meadows is really good. Not everyone can I be know, Austin Meadows. I know, Otani's really good. He's a, he is, he is. you know, once in a century player. Yeah, that's I, not an insult. He has he has the ability to break fantasy baseball this season. Shohei Otani. I, I I feel I acknowledge that upside and kind of like kind of the way that Lamar Jackson broke fantasy football. I mean, we could be talking about Otani halfway through the season uh, in a similar uh, in a similar way. Again, leading off, reaching base three times, and in the same game, five strikeouts against one of the best lineups in baseball. They didn't have everyone in there, but one of those one one of those strikeouts was against Fernando Tatis. Like who who does this? It's yeah, it's just it absolutely crazy. Uh, the last name I wanted to bring up, Framber Valdez. He went to pick 218 in my uh, in my draft this weekend. And in the reserve, I got him in the reserve rounds of the salary cap draft. So we went through, I don't know how many, I can't do the math off the top of my head, but 
12 teams, 14 hitters, nine pitcher spots, all those. We went through all those and Framber Valdez did not get taken. And then I got him in the reserve rounds. So unlimited IL spots. Sure. I'll take it. <laughs> no issues there with Framber Valdez. Uh, let's, let's quickly wrap up with some ADP on other sites and just kind of compare and contrast. Some people have been asking us about, uh, you know, we, we use fantasy pros a lot, which is an aggregate of every site, but we don't specifically look at, okay, well, what's the ADP on ESPN versus Yahoo versus CBS. So, uh, let's just start off with ESPN and, and I pointed out a few players here that caught my eye. Mookie Betts, they have as their number one player overall, Cody Bellinger, number 12. It's a little bit higher than ADP. Marcelo Zuna. Mm-hmm is at pick 30 in uh, ADP for uh, in ESPN drafts, and that is 42.6 across all of the other formats. So Marcelo Zuna a little bit higher up there. Nolan Arenado, I mean, please do not draft him at pick 31 because that is his ADP on ESPN, and I think it's still too high on other... Yeah, I thought so it was 30 over the weekend for... Has it gotten moved down since then? Um, for Nolan Arenado, it's... 31, 31 on ESPN. It's 33 on CBS. It's 26 on Yahoo. It's 33.4 overall. Still 42.7 at NFC, which is lower, a little more reasonable, but he went, he went uh, in the fifth higher round. than I have him. He went, I, I added, I added Arenado to my bus 3.0, which came out Friday. Check it out on the site. Uh, he was, he was one of the biggest additions. I, I probably wouldn't if his ADP was like 50, Kind of breaking my own rules for bust now because you know I'm just trying to get more thoughts out there. Um, yeah, that there that's I don't know. I I feel like Air, what's Arenado's best case scenario in St. Louis? I'm I'm thinking like 280 average, 35 homers. I mean, the and best case scenario is what Matt Holiday did, which was just basically stay the same hitter yeah. after leaving Coors Field. Him, him and and Larry Walker are the two who who stand out as the two guys who left Coors elite hitters and were still elite hitters after that but they were elite but holiday was more like a second third round type elite hitter versus a first round type right i mean he didn't he didn't have a, another 36 homer season like he had in colorado uh, uh yeah he lost yeah he wasn't quite as good uh there were injuries as well but yeah yeah and he lost some, he wasn't a 320 to 340 hitter he was a 280 to 300 hitter he lost he lost some production he was still elite and i'm saying the same thing for arenado 280 with 35 homers it's just you know Ozuna is going later than that. I think he's very likely to do the same thing. Yeah. Aloy Jimenez is going later than that. I think he's very likely to do this. There's like a lot of hitters, and that's that's the best case scenario for Arenado. I, I keep thinking people aren't taking into account the shoulder injury he was dealing with last year, and he says he's feeling better, but it's not like he's had... There's a difference between comfort, I feel better, and I have all my strength back, which I'm not even sure he'd be able to tell. And he hasn't put on a power display in spring training or anything. I mean, that's not, that's not necessarily meaningful, but I'd feel a lot better if he had, you know, how far does Arenado have to fall Scott for you to actually, actually consider taking him outside the top 50. He has to fall behind. Um, yeah. So top 50, you've got like Tim Anderson there, uh, Kenta Maeda, um, Pete Alonzo's right there. Like, I think that's, the range you'd have to, I'll just say outside the top 50, I'd consider Arenado. A few other names. Luis Castillo is at ADP 40 on ESPN, whereas it is 26 on CBS. That is, I mean, it might be all Scott there because, well, I, I like Castillo too, but we put <laughs> we, points we, leagues in general too. Yeah, we do a lot of points leagues on CBS and uh, Castillo is 40th on Yahoo as well. So I, I do think he's, if you can get him in the fourth round of a 12 team league, definitely undervalued on those websites. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at 42 on ESPN versus 50 on CBS, 46 on Yahoo. Uh, so he's 10 spots higher than the overall ADP for Vlad Jr. That uh, that ADP is 52.2. So uh, he's a little bit higher on ESPN. Adalberto Mondesi is at pick 55 on ESPN. That is 31 on CBS, 28 on Yahoo. So I don't know if they're just... A lot of points leagues going on on ESPN, and maybe that's why Mondesi is this low. But, man, if you play in any type of categories league, uh, whether it's head-to-head or roto, and Mondesi even slips to the fourth round in that type of format on ESPN, definitely should be looking in that direction. We have not talked about this recently. I think maybe you you briefly mentioned it once, Chris, uh, but about Zach Gallen. 
He is at ADP 56 on ESPN. That's 47 on CBS, and that's 51 on Yahoo. So he's the lowest of the, the big three sites on ESPN at 56. And they're talking about a potential innings limit for Gallon. So do you believe that? I mean, how many innings do you like? would you tentatively project for Zach Gallon this season? Uh, he's definitely, you know, not in that group who I think can go 200. Um, you know, he, he did in 20, 2019, he threw a bunch of innings between the majors and minors. It was 171. So I think he could get to that level again. But uh, I, I think, you know, that's probably closer to the ceiling than, um, you know, than it is for some other pitchers being drafted in that range. So I, I've, I've cooled off on him a little bit. They didn't get into specifics, I don't yeah. think, when they were talking about limiting his innings. They just, you know, talked about how they need to be careful with the jump for him specifically. And um, I, it was enough for me to drop him behind Brandon Woodruff. I had him ahead of Woodruff before. I was already kind of teetering on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dropped Gallon behind Woodruff. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, make and- the, the way Tori Lavolo talked about it was, quote, everybody needs to be mindful of the workload they had last year and jumping from 60 to 70 innings to 200 is not necessarily going to be safe for everybody. Uh, he was asked if they would prioritize maybe skipping a turn, giving him an extra day early in the season or uh, pulling him from starts early. And he said, yeah, that's exactly right. You guys have been around us long enough. Every once in a while, we jump into a six-man rotation to give guys an extra day or we get creative with days off. There's a design in that as far as the other piece of it. If we're winning a game 9-1 and he's through five clean, do I take him out of the game to preserve innings? I haven't thought about that part of the, the equation. So it doesn't sound like, at the very least, they're not willing to talk about a firm plan. And I would guess, as with most things, we want one number. That way can say, okay, Zach Allen's going to get to 180 innings and then stop pitching. That's not how it works. Uh he could sprain his ankle and miss three weeks and then have no ending concerns for the rest of the season. You know, it's that kind of thing where, um, you know, it's all probably probabilistic. It's all ranges, but the, the, the width of the range is wider for someone like gallon than it is for someone like Max Scherzer. Uh, let's say, you know, barring health, you know, if they're both healthy, Max Scherzer's floor and ceiling are both a lot higher than gallons over on ESPN. Nick Castellanos has an ADP of 62 on CBS. That's 81. And on Yahoo, that's 82. So he is a little bit higher in ESPN. But Scott has Castellanos ranked 63rd overall. And I have him 66th. So we are pretty much in line with his ESPN rank. And we'd be all right taking him uh, in that in that sixth round range for Nick Castellanos. Eddie Rosario is at pick 72 on ESPN. That's 120 on CBS and 118 for Yahoo. That is just a huge discrepancy. So if you play on, on CBS or Yahoo and Eddie Rosario is just hanging around, that is just fantastic value versus a uh, ESPN rank. Anthony Rizzo is at pick 75 on ESPN. That's 99 on CBS and 86 on Yahoo. Matt Chapman is at 88. And so that's about 12 spots higher than his overall ADP. Uh, Steven Strasburg is down at 92 on ESPN. So that's 58 for CBS and 61 for Yahoo. So that seems actually like a great value for Steven Strasburg in, in, on that side. Uh, and then Kesson Hira is at 94. That is, that's about 25 picks past his ADP in ESPN leagues. And uh, Michael Brantley is at 96 on ESPN, which is uh, 50 spots higher than his ADP, which is 146.2 overall. Uh, on Yahoo... Mentioned a few of these already, but Arenado and Luis Castillo. Arenado at pick 26, too high. Luis Castillo at 40, too high. Brandon Woodruff at 53, Scott. You took him at pick, I guess that would have been 49 in that headset categories mock draft. But even there, I still, I feel like he's a good value, especially in the fourth round of a 12-team league. Brandon Woodruff at at ADP 53. Yeah, I, I mean... I'm not that concerned with ADP about starting pitchers specifically because I know there's a finite number of ones that I think are going to be of real value to me. And I know I need a certain number of them. So I kind of just go with the flow and, and you know, that happens to be really close where I took Woodruff and, and where he goes on average. But I, um, you know, if it was Kinta Maeda there around pick number 40, the fact that he usually goes 50-something 
you know, if he's my next best pitcher and I know I need another pitcher now and I, I wouldn't have objections to taking him 10 picks early. Javier Baez and Jordan Alvarez are both going inside the top 60 picks in Yahoo leagues and Javier Baez, his actual ADP is 77.8. So he's pulled up about 20 picks and then Jordan Alvarez is the same thing. His overall ADP across all sites is 80.6. So he's about 21 picks ahead of ADP on Yahoo for Jordan Alvarez. Nelson Cruz similarly picks 65 on Yahoo. That's 89.4 overall for his ADP. So he's a little bit higher there. Lance, uh, go ahead. Two utility spots in the Yahoo default lineup. That definitely is makes sense to point out. So um, yeah, if there, it increases their value, obviously in leagues with two utility spots. Uh, Lance Lynn on ESPN is all the way down at 69. And I'm not even a big Lance Lynn fan, but his ADP is 52.4. So he's going about 17, 18 picks later there. Yeah. Um, Yoan Moncada is at 71 on ESP on Yahoo. That's 94.6 overall. So he's a little bit higher. Lourdes Gurriel has an ADP of uh, 77. That's uh, 14 picks higher than his normal ADP. That's that's surprising. That his so his ADP is 91. Yes, for for Lourdes Griel. Wow, I've got him 58. <laughs> I didn't realize I was that much higher on him, but I, I think he's really good. Yeah, I I think Lourdes Griel is uh is rock solid. Someone that can help you across the board. Uh, Jose Barrios is at. 91 on Yahoo. That is 77.8 at all other locations. So a bit of a discount there. Uh, Chris Bryant is at 94 on Yahoo. That's 113 for other locations. Zach Plesak is all the way down at 95. His ADP is just all over the place. So it's 75 on CBS. Thank you, Scott. 95 on Yahoo for Zach Plesak and 112 on ESPN. So... If you play on ESPN or Yahoo, you are getting Zach Plesak at a very good discount. And let's just wrap up with uh, with our own ADP here at CBS. See what's going on there. Corey Seager, no surprise. Another one that is aided by Scott White. Uh, Corey Seager has an ADP on CBS of 22. That is 33.8 on other sites. Yeah, are, you, are you actually willing to do that, Scott? It's like two, three turn in a 12-team league for Seager? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am... You know, I, I might go pitcher pitcher if the pitcher's good enough, but I think if it drops past like Luis Castillo, I, that's not a second round pitcher in my mind anymore. Um, you know, normally I'm thinking third round for Corey Seager. We took him in the second in that 15 teamer, but it was a 15 teamer. Mm-hmm. Luis Robert Robert, Luis Robert on CBS is has an ADP of 48. There are a lot of points leagues that we do, so he, I got him a couple of weeks ago. We did the head head points mock. I think in the eighth round. I think normally in a points league you can. Start to look for him in, in the seventh, but in a roto league, Robert usually goes in like the fourth or fifth, the four or five turn. So a uh, bit of a value there on CBS. Jose Altuve has an ADP on CBS of 57. No other site has him higher than 80. So that's what they say. I draft with people from these sites. They never let him fall to 80. <laughs> Liars. Liars. Uh, I still think Jose Altuve is one of the one of the better values this season. Zach Granke on CBS is at ADP 72. And on the other sites combined, 97.4. So he is going higher on our site. And again, lots of points leagues. And Granke does excel in that format. Uh, Denelson Lamette has an ADP on CBS of 87. Overall, that is 100. So he should probably fall a little bit further now that it looks like he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Again, that's Denelson Lamette. John Carlos Stanton, one pick later at pick 88. Again, this one's aided by Chris. So thank you for actually taking. How am, how am I more, more more impactful on Paddock than Granky when I'm the only person who ever drafts Granky? Well, I, I mentioned Stanton. I didn't mention Paddock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but either way. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you you aid both of I'm, those. Granky's right? more my guy this year than Stanton is. Nah, I mean, That's all off Stanton's that. always your guy. Yeah, but you know. Let's see. Where do you actually have him? In your, you have him 64th. Scott has him 94th. I have him 92nd. Chris has John Carlos Stanton 64th. Stick to your mm-hmm. guns, man. I appreciate it. Um, few other names here. Uh, Chris Paddock is going at pick 89. That one might actually be because of me. So there you go. We're all influencing ADP. Uh, Wilson Contreras 
is all the way up at 95. He's going inside the top 100 picks on CBS. That is 110.8 across all other formats. Wilson Contreras entering a contract year has looked phenomenal so far in the spring. Carlos Correa, like his teammate Jose Altuve, is higher on CBS 96, and he is 120.6 on all the other sites combined. And Patrick Corbin, this one's interesting. His ADP is 97 on CBS. Scott, I don't know. You're going to have to explain this one to me because you lowered him. But Patrick Corbin, 97 on CBS, 136 on ESPN, 137 on Yahoo. Well, you said you're giving us credit for these players' ADP for the most part. When I'm, I'm sure it's mostly projections, which <laughs> we have nothing to do with. <laughs> True. Um, and I would guess projections built up, use the starting point as, uh, as Corbin's three-year average, which obviously yeah. the first two years were really good. Yeah. If if you just think he's toast, like I'm kind of leaning, then you know you're obviously going to come in lower than the projections. And that is a great time to remind everyone, Scott, that when you do a draft on CBS, the first thing you should do is you you see a little that drop down arrow that says projections. Hit that. Click on Scott White's rankings. Click on click on Chris Towers' ranks. Click on my ranks if you want to, but. Just use the rankings. Don't, don't use the projections. That's that's the, the last thing that I will add there. All right. We hit a lot today. I think you know, we, we're getting a lot done. Scott, you mentioned that your sleepers, breakouts, and bus 3.0 are on the site. That will be tomorrow's podcast. So we will update everyone on what's going on there. Chris, if you have any updated sleepers or breakouts that you want to talk about, we can do that as well. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.